This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. And my name is Andrew. And joining us this week is... Jake. That's hey. my name. <laughs> that's his name. Hey, Jake. Jake, who are you? Oh, no. Who are you and why are you here? <laughs> the worst intro ever. <laughs> oh, it's fine. We'll fix it in post. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to make it louder and louder in post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Repeating. Uh I am uh, I am part of the Headgum Podcast Network. I helped start it with uh, with my writing partner and life partner Amir, and uh, <laughs> we're lucky enough to have you guys on the network. I'm a big fan of uh, reading, so I <laughs> want to come on. Yeah, and again, this is a, like a long overdue thanks from us. If we've been really happy to be part of the network, that was not a pun that was intended, but it happened anyway. <laughs> it happened, and we're just gonna go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, because some of our listeners—that's <laughs> the theme so far of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it just happened. We're gonna go with it. Unintentional stuff that happened. Um, some of our listeners uh, know you guys, but not all of them do. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about where you and Amir come from, and kind of how the network came to be before we dive into this week's book? Yeah, sure. Um, so what happened? We started working at, where did it all begin? We started working at College Humor, uh, and we started making videos together. We started this web series called Jake and Amir, which mm-hmm. ran for like eight years, uh, a bunch of episodes. And then we started a podcast as well. And the podcast is called If I Were You. It's an advice podcast where we give, you know, not always uh, great advice, but it's, <laughs> We try to make it honest, and uh, and then from there we started this podcast network, and that's how we we all know each other. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Did I leave anything so, out? I don't think so. You've you've been on the internet for like a long time. That kind of like how is that going? You haven't gotten tired <laughs> of it yet. I, like Andrew works. Andrew like writes online, and he's on the internet all day long. I'm not. So like, how is that for you? I definitely have had like a love hate relationship with the internet. <laughs> there, there was a time when I was at College Humor when I was just like all up on Tumblr and stuff, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, and I was out and I didn't do anything. <laughs> I still had to do Jake and Amir because it was like part of our lives, but like I just had nothing to do with the internet for like two or three years, and now I'm getting back into it because podcasting I feel like is this new and exciting medium that I really yeah. like. Yeah, like I love storytelling, and I. I don't know. I love what podcasting is doing. So I, I like that back Tumblr. I like that Tumblr is what broke the camel's back for you, though. You said yeah. screw Tumblr. Yeah, I mean, like I think that Twitter <laughs> was the, the bus. Twitter was the last one that I really fully got on board with, and then like Pinterest happened and Snapchat happened, and I just <laughs> I don't even know how to get good at. It. I don't know Dude, how to know what they are. <laughs> I was accidentally into Pinterest because I thought. <laughs> I thought Pinterest was like a private thing. I thought it was like me <laughs> posting things that I liked to look at later. Like, oh, I should remember this. And then I found like all these people were like 
following my pin board, and I was like, whoa, that shit's just for me. This was for me. These were <laughs> this my noodles. my private this time. Was, yeah. Yeah, this, these light, these mason jar light bulbs, that was, <laughs> that was a personal thing. Yes. Uh, so we brought you on here to talk about a book. So on Overdue, each week, one of us reads a book, and we tell the other person about that book. Sometimes they've read it. Most of the time, they haven't. And that way, you, the listener, don't have to do any work. We'll tell you all about it, and or as much as we can squeeze into like an hour. All right, cool. You guys don't mind if I saw the movie, right? I didn't. I didn't oh. read anything. I just watched. It's, if you just have like the gist of it, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> all right, cool. Cool. Uh, preferably not a high quality version of the like a a bad movie adaptation would be preferable. Yeah, I, I did read the reviews of the of the Robinson Crusoe movie, and they're not favorable. It's like. <laughs> I think it was uh yeah three out of five stars. Okay, would right. would watch again if I was really tired. If it was on TNT, I <laughs> yeah. might not change the channel. If I fell asleep in front of Netflix <laughs> and it auto played, I wouldn't wake up and turn it off. That's more of like a review for a couch or a bed. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, what did you know about Robinson Crusoe? This is by Daniel Defoe. Daniel it's not Defoe. Willem Defoe, right? Daniel, no, yeah. Daniel Defoe. His ancestor, <laughs> obviously. Willem Dafoe should play Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't know too much about it. I knew it was about a guy that was marooned on an island and sure. learned to fend for himself. And I think I remember, I I don't know if I, I think I remember like a TV show called Family Caruso or something like that. And it okay. was like about a family that had been marooned on an island. That's... And I remember that they made like a sick treehouse. So that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought that's what I was in store for. That sounds like a mashup with Swiss Family Robinson. Like yeah, a Swiss oh, Family maybe it Robinson was Swiss like Family Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Dude, I think it was Swiss Family Robinson. That's okay. what it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not Family Crusoe. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that, though. Uh, so we, uh, we were taking a look at uh, the book earlier, just kind of like I haven't read it, but I was reading where it came from. It's mm-hmm. technically one of the first novels did you find that andrew one of the first novels in the english language sure, but insanely sure. old yeah do you guys so know my... the full title did have you heard the full title of the book oh no please read it to me wait i, I think okay the life and strange surprising oh, yeah, adventures of robinson crusoe of torque mariner who lived eight and twenty years all alone in an uninhabited if land I think that's supposed to be an S, and it's just old. Yep. On the coast, on the coast of America, near the mouth of the Great River of Orunoke, yep, sure. having been calfed on shore by shipwreck, wherein all the men perished but himself, <laughs> with an account of how he was at laughed at as strangely delivered by pirates. No, man, that's the title. That's the title of the book. <laughs> I think that's part of the whole like make it sound like a real thing that happened because there, right, there's that, some that was the whole thing right yeah there's like maybe maybe just maybe this was a real guy but probably not I think I it's... don't know and people thought he was a real guy because yeah. it does say written by himself they thought this was a thing that really happened so that I I like that about <laughs> and that's that seems to be in fitting with what the 17th century novels were doing which is mm-hmm. like you're moving towards realism we're going to pretend that it's a real guy it's not right, just this the, mate like, it's yeah insane shit was happening all around these guys all the time <laughs> like even just the little people in robinson crusoe's life like there was just a guy that got like killed and eaten on the beach at one point 
Like that's <laughs> that's, that's realism. Insane. That's yeah, real. That's people's lives. That's so any, anybody like <laughs> a, on a ship at sea in the 1600s. Like they're what even if they don't get marooned, it's worth reading about that person. Well, that's the equivalent of signing up for SpaceX, right? Like now, <laughs> who oh, knows where they're going to send you? <laughs> that's true. That's true. There might be whales out there. Here they're going to go up into into space and get space scurvy. Yeah. Um, But even in space, they'll have uh, they'll have domesticated goats. So it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got a couple fun facts about Daniel Defoe. We don't need to talk a ton about him before we jump into the book. But uh, did you know that he was born Daniel Foe and that he added duh to his last name because he thought it sounded fancy and upper class? (laughs) It does. I mean, yeah. It sounds kind of. Doesn't it sound kind of hood too? It's like, yo, I'm Defoe. <laughs> Defoe. You think you got a foe? I am Defoe. He's got credit. He's got cred on both sides, right? He can play. <laughs> he can play at court, and he can play in the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. A, um, I know he, he was. He was normally in debt and was arrested in in a 1692 for debts that may have been as high as seventeen thousand pounds. However, many dollars that is in in like 1690 money he uh was also he wrote this thing called the storm which is considered like a forerunner of early journalism so he like there was a great a great storm that happened in 1703 and it was called the great storm of 1703 good good and, name uh, good yeah, name right checks out and he, he yeah. went around and collected like other people's firsthand accounts which was not like a thing that people did when they were reporting stories back then oh okay wow that's so, cool yeah yeah he published a few other novels like a couple other robinson crusoe things a few other novels in like the last 10 years of his life and then he died in 1731 quote unquote probably while in hiding from his creditors <laughs> That's which is lot. how I which is how I want to die, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Penniless just, and afraid. Yeah. <laughs> they they just like on his grave is an image of empty pockets. <laughs> uh so yeah, that's that's Daniel Defoe. Fancy. Did you man read about town. did you read, Jake, anything about kind of like the history of the book itself? Because it was purporting to be about a real guy, but it's likely inspired by any number of, of actual castaways. Yeah, I read that um, that when it first came out that it was that they wanted people to believe that it was a real true story, and then I also read the Wikipedia page of the guy who it was supposed to be about. Uh, yeah, but it, he had spent like a couple years marooned on an island, and then eventually returned and li- wanted to live there, and they like inhabited it or something. Yeah, it was um, Alexander Selkirk, who was right. a Scottish That's guy. It, yeah. yeah, and. He was like he was on a couple different boats, and then he was on this boat called the Sank Port uh, off the coast of Chile. And he said to his captain, "I think our boat needs repairs." And his captain said, "No, it's fine." He said, "Okay, leave me on this <laughs> island." <laughs> so they left him there. And yeah, because you the ship and that ship crashed. Right, everybody on that ship died. <laughs> if they didn't die, they got imprisoned by the Spanish. So oh, you God. know, all things being equal. Really? Damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, <laughs> there's another account about a guy named Robert Knox who was kept as a prisoner of a king in Sri Lanka for like 19 years that oh, may or may not have inspired this. Uh, and then another guy named Henry Pittman who was he escaped from a jail in the Caribbean only to then get shipwrecked on another island. So it sounds like the 17th century was like a bad time for luck. Just yeah, in, and, I mean, <laughs> just being a shipsman or something, 
I think the people who got shipwrecked and learned to live with the native people, like those were the lucky ones. Yes. But I don't even understand like the idea of getting marooned on an, on a deserted island. Like, wasn't that almost what they were looking for by setting out to sea in the first place? Aren't they looking for, you know, far off islands and, yeah, you get what like, you wish what, for, I suppose, right? What are they expecting? It's, I don't know, dragons? Whales? <laughs> spices. I don't know. The spices. That's really what they were going for is spices. Oh, right. All of it, all of it just for turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> and cumin. The correct pronunciation, cumin. Cumin. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's get into this, uh, into this book here, Jake. We'll, right. just, we'll just dive right in. Uh, if anyone is worried about Robin Crusoe spoilers, I suppose they could turn the podcast off now. Uh, but yeah, as we said, this is a predecessor to Swiss Family Robinson and then later <laughs> right. Treasure Island. So I think we'll run across some some tropes that centuries of other marooned stories have have hit before. So right, but what this is one's got to on? be the first, right? This one's uh, the this one's the originator. I think so. I think it's the OG shipwreck story, right, the OG yeah. Defoe. <laughs> hey everybody hope you're enjoying our episode with jake uh we're excited to have him on we're also excited to tell you about the fine folks at squarespace uh who partially sponsored this episode uh andrew what exactly is squarespace squarespace is a website that lets you make other websites could I make a website? <laughs> could I make a website for a wedding? You could make a website for a wedding, and in fact, you did make a website for your wedding. Uh, we're recording this in a house in suburban Philadelphia, uh, where we are about to celebrate Craig's bachelor party. Oh boy, bachelor boy! Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! And we're passing one mic back and forth, and it's going super well. Thank you for asking. Um, Squarespace is a site that gives you professionally designed templates. Uh, you can design your own sites regardless of your skill level with no coding required. Uh, you don't need to do any HTML, any CSS, any JavaScript, any Ruby on Rails. I don't know how many other programming languages I can name. Uh, but they have state-of-the-art technology that will power your site, and they are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world, including yours truly, Overdue. And if you're saving up for a wedding like uh, I am, it's good to know that plans start at just eight bucks a month, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. I don't, I can't think of any really good domains off the top of my head, but I'm sure that if you, the listener, did, it would maybe be available. <laughs> We can't promise that. That's not part of the ad. Uh, but you should start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. And when you decide to turn your like free trial website uh, into a real website, big website, a big boy wedding website, uh, you can use the offer code OVERDUE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it, beautiful. So what what's happening in this book? What's going on? Uh, oh, is it me? Does the guest just explain? I'll I'll do the cliff notes. Great. Okay. This guy, this Crusoe character, he <laughs> he's got a really nice middle class life uh, in I guess it's in England, correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. And uh, but he's got this call. He feels like this pull to go out to sea and be a seafaring man, and his father 
counsels him. He says, don't go. Uh, you'll only find despair out there. But nevertheless, he heads out anyway. And the rest is history. <laughs> He, right, so yeah, gets shipwrecked. How much like does the book like open with him being shipwrecked, or do we like start with like him in some bar or something, and then we're on the ship for a while, and then he's on the island, or where did where does it begin, and then from there is it like one long story, or is it just like a bunch of little stories about stuff that happens to him on this island? I mean, it pretty much begins with him uh, disobeying his father's wishes and heading out to sea, but the first voyage he takes isn't the one is not the one that ends up with him on the island. Okay. Is he's that... sort of just accepting this. Uh, he's accepting the life of uh, of a sailor. He's married okay. to the sea now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, is that the one where he gets, like, enslaved? Yeah. This He had the worst luck at, <laughs> like, at sea ever. And I wonder, <laughs> I really wonder if this is just Robinson Crusoe that had this problem, or if this is everybody, because it seems like he actually had the best luck because all of his friends are always drowning and dying and <laughs> being enslaved. And he's always just like escaping. But the first one, he just, he, it's like a really, really, really rough storm. And I think okay. he almost dies and, but every, the whole entire ship's company survives. They end up like going ashore somewhere else. And there's like, after he settles down, he's got the option to go home, but he doesn't. And he maybe goes, what is it? He goes to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets like a, he gets a plantation in Brazil, I think. Oh no. You know what? Before the plantation in Brazil is when he gets, that's when he gets kidnapped the first time. Okay. Oh, the first time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he, yeah, he gets, he gets kidnapped. And then at that, at one point he, he finally, um, he makes a plan for his, uh, escape. And that's when he escapes with the with his little slave boy that he has. So at some point he gets kidnapped by um by this other I, I don't know they're somewhere like near South South America or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eventually escapes from there uh, because he's like got his boss's trust and he's like his boss has these friends that are coming over to go fishing and he's like, Oh, I'll go out and prepare the ship. But he actually just goes and steals the ship with, (laughs) okay. With a little boy. And like, this is the first time in the book. There's a big theme of like this guy making people swear his allegiance to them. So like when he's on this boat, he pushes one, uh, one other, like sort of slave guy with him, or like just not, no, you know, not a slave, but like a member of the other guy's tribe. Okay. He pushes him off, and the guy sort of try- <laughs> swimming and trying to get back on the ship. And he's like, "I'm going to shoot you if you try to get on the ship." But I know you're a good swimmer and you can make it to land. So get out of here. <laughs> so that guy turns around and goes, and then he, then he's what like, "Nice guy." Yeah. Then he goes to the boy. He's like, "I'm going to kill you unless you like sweat, uh, pledge your allegiance to me, and you'll be my boy now." And that kid is like, <laughs> "Oh my yes, god, I will." I will so, be your boy. Yeah. So then he's got this little this little boy, and they are their plan is to sort of sail down the coast until he can find friendly uh, people, basically mm-hmm. Christian people. Okay. White people. Yeah. Yeah. And the entire yeah. time he's doing that, he's coming across these little pockets of uh, what he he is very racist in this book, but he <laughs> he calls them savages. Of course. So, yeah. So he's. Uh, wild beasts and savages those are his two big fears 
Good. He doesn't want to see lions and he doesn't want to see savages. That's and he's, reasonable, I suppose. Yeah. But like occasionally he'll see a lion, he'll see a savage, and like at one point he, sh- I think he shoots a, a lion, and all the quote unquote savages are like very impressed with him. They're like bowing <laughs> down to him. Oh no! Like, like I'm walking a line between laughing at this and like tacitly being like, "Yeah, that's funny, that's cool," and oh, no, just groaning really uncontrollably. Yeah. yeah, there's there's some like uh, strange like. D- it's like Fifty Shades of Grey, the the amount of like dominatrix uh, <laughs> themes in this thing. Uh, so eventually he comes, he he settles in Brazil and he plants. Um, I forget what his crop is. Maybe it's coffee, but he's got like this plantation in. Oh no, tobacco. He's got a tobacco plantation in Brazil, and I mean, like in the early 1700s or whenever this was, you can imagine that's he's setting himself up to be like. Yeah, he's you know, going to be in good old shape. Money. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's got it good. Uh, so he everything's going good for him. Unfortunately, all of his buddies decide that they need slaves, and Crusoe volunteers to captain this ship to sail to, I guess, Africa and yep. get slaves. Okay, just doing a slave run. No big deal. Yeah, no big so, deal. So on his slave run, I guess you could say he had it coming. They get into a bad <laughs> shipwreck. Well, and the, the the book is not like the book is not judging that, right? I no, imagine I, I imagine the book's like this is what you do. You started a farm in South America, and now you have to go get your slaves. Yeah, no, it's not even. It doesn't like blink at just like. Yeah. Of course, we needed these slaves. Uh-huh. They, they have no no problem with slavery in this yeah. book. If you want okay. chips, you go to the Seven Eleven. If you want slaves, you go to Africa. It's oh, no big God. deal. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you have a co-writing credit. I'm just like putting myself in the head of of an old timey like 1600. Yeah. Okay. 1600s guy. Yeah. Okay. So on their way to uh, to get the slaves, they get they you know they encounter this huge storm. They get shipwrecked. The entire crew dies and robinson crusoe is washed up on shore of this island okay so that's where that's where the robinson crusoe that we all know kind of kicks in okay that's him shipwrecked alone now i thought that he basically had nothing but in this book the ship is kind of just ground so he's able to go back and forth to the ship and bring everything he could possibly need from the ship onto the island Okay. Including a dog and a bunch of guns <laughs> and a bunch of gunpowder and a shitload of food and seeds and like all everything that he could possibly need to this kind of sustain This sounds way himself. easier than everything I've been led to believe. Yeah, right? Yeah, he did. I mean, I guess it's definitely, you know, scary to be marooned on an island, but he but he did have a bunch of stuff. He had a bunch of guns. Okay. He had he had that. And he had like tools. He had a shovel. He had a, yeah. He was good. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's like the it's like the early episodes of Lost where they're like passing out medicine from the plane. And yeah. Like, who's gonna get what book? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's and it's it's almost like he was already. It was like Lost, except he was already in the hatch. <laughs> he already knew what the numbers were. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's Lost season three. <laughs> so is, does he meet? What does he does he meet anybody on the island right away? Uh, no, so there's nobody on the island. He he walks around, he's he's looking for people, he's scared. 
I guess when he first gets there, he's terrified of, again, savages and, again, mm-hmm. wild beasts. Mm-hmm. And But even this book is like, it doesn't ever kind of like build up your suspense. It's never like, immediately he says, that first night I was scared of wild beasts, though I would come to learn that I had that I need not fear them. And like, I... <laughs> Way to cut the tension, Boy, Rob. Yeah. It, it's really just, it's such a detailed account of like what he you know what he did like he's always talking about how big the walls that he makes are and like how wide uh a tree that he cuts is it's like very technical <laughs> it's almost like a like a how to be stranded guide rather yeah. than like the how story. to be stranded <laughs> andrew that's like what you said happened in the martian a little bit right that's what some people find really compelling about the martian well, some people find it compelling and some people find it annoying. But yeah, like he's he's not only does he do all the stuff he needs to do to survive, but he also does he like shows his work. He does all his math and stuff right there on the page. So if you got stranded on Mars and all you had with you was a copy of The Martian, like you'd probably be able to figure it out. Okay. Oh shit, really? Which is like which is like fine, but in some parts it's like reading a big story problem. I thought we were talking about The Martian, the movie, which I fucking loved. The the movie I actually thought was was better than the book, which well, I there's don't a lot know less if, math. If we'll in the get movie. like angry emails about that or not, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. All but, right. I mean, the sad thing is just that like how long he spends on the island. I, I'm like, because I think he's like 26 or something when he first lands there in the in every his scene. peak sexual prime, like yeah. ready to oh, go. He's all by himself for real and i every single every single year i'm i was just like i kept on doing the math i kept on being like how old is he now is he gonna get out like i just oh, didn't no. want him to be like 65 before he got rescued <laughs> <laughs> how does he pass the time because i guess what you're saying is kind of because it's written almost like a like an autobiography or whatever there isn't this tension of whatever's going to happen to him clearly the guy who was on the island survived it's just what happened while he was there yeah it's really just about like or anyway to me it's like about how he went about improving his situation so like at at first he's hunting for wild animals and like he has to spend hours every day finding lunch and you know all this stuff but eventually he's he's able to delineate his day into like okay, I've got four hours in the morning to go hunting and hopefully I can kill like a fowl or something. But then he also like, he starts domesticating goats. He builds a second camp in the middle of the island where he can like find turtles. He learns how to make, uh, he learns how to weave baskets. He makes himself bowls. Like it's really all about just him stockpiling and him improving the conditions that he's living under. Then does does he become best friends with a volleyball at any point during this? There's no Wilson in this book. Okay, I really wish there was, because <laughs> it, it's something way worse happens, which is that he becomes super religious to the point where, like, the end of this book is like pages on end. Him talking about divine province. It's super worse than befriending a volleyball. Because what is God really if not a volleyball? Oh no. <laughs> God is everywhere. Well, and I think some of that comes from Defoe's own background. Like his his parents were like Presbyterians at a time when that was like not the best thing, but not the worst thing. And you had well, books. yeah, like one of the one of the times Defoe was thrown into prison. There were several. Uh, was 
after uh, King William III died and Queen yes. Anne came to power, uh-huh. and uh, he was part of this group called the Nonconformists, the people who like didn't care for the Church of England, and so Queen Anne was rounding up Nonconformists and throwing them in, into jail. And because uh, <laughs> Defoe had written a bunch of poems like defending the king and and being Nonconformist, he got he got thrown in the slammer. Oh dear. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's like a there's a tradition of n- almost novels, like stuff like The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, that's about kind of how to improve yourself spiritually. That seems to be on point with what you're saying, Jake. Right. It's yeah. It's weird because in the beginning, he's like, you know, he's not, he doesn't seem very religious. He like doesn't know if he necessarily believes in God, mm-hmm. and then he gets thrown onto the island, and he's like always praying for. Um, for his deliverance which basically never comes and then at the end he's like i totally ex- i totally believe in god because i didn't die on the island like well you were there for 26 years <laughs> you were the guy <laughs> god didn't show up and take care of the goats yeah you were there shit. with the goats and uh, he bred those goats <laughs> <laughs> so he seems like he's like he's leveled up and he has domesticated this island he's building yeah. his little town but and there's like he's always so you know he's talking about this dog and i would imagine if this story is being written now like the dog would basically be like a person like in the movie yeah. i am legend where it's <laughs> yes like right like if that dog's not around you are ruined but he's like the dog became fri- quite friendly and i was fond of him but that was it like and then he <laughs> he talks about how he had several cats that also came from the ship and the cats got on his nerves and he ends up killing one of the cats so what? it's like yeah I would not want to take cats on a boat. Andrew, you have a cat. I wouldn't bring Newman on a boat with me. He's like, it's hard to have a cat like in an apartment. I would not want a cat on a boat. He would go down and like scratch holes in all like the oil barrels and stuff. It would just, it would be a bad time. But what if you were marooned on an island? Would you want a cat then? I, apparently not. Apparently they're annoying and you have to start killing them. So yeah, you got to murder the cats. Sounds, he also, like a, sounds like a raw deal. Yeah, he killed... He killed some turtles too. That that was sad. <laughs> so what Just, is yeah. what happens after he like makes this little town for himself, and I, he's like slowly, fully right. converting, right? So he's like really making the island his own. He's got he's growing crops. He's got like, um, I think he's like learning how to make. Yeah, he's making grain from corn. He's like he's really knocking it out of the park, <laughs> and then. Towards like the the end of his time there, he starts realizing that um, it's a place that these uh, cannibals come to to sacrifice and eat humans. Huh. And he sort of comes upon it at some point, and he's like, "Oh fuck! Now I have to be afraid of cannibals." <laughs> so he's yeah. So so I guess at the near the end of the book, he. He finally um, he comes upon like a uh, a group of cannibals uh, about to make a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and he like the cannibal the guy that is about to be sacrificed like breaks free and mm-hmm. starts running away. And Robinson Crusoe jumps out and he's like, "I'll protect you!" And he kills the uh, like one of the other cannibals. He shoots one or two. This this guy that broke away is able to kill somebody. Basically, he rescues this one guy and scares away a bunch of cannibals because he has a gun. 
And then and does then... he make that guy like swear fealty to him on the spot? <laughs> of course, he always does. <laughs> oh, Robinson. He says, if you will pledge yourself to me, and he doesn't know any English, and this guy is like, I mean, the talks, he, his, uh, he calls this guy Friday, and I think that's because it, he came to him on Friday. That's but I'm not worst. entirely sure. It's not an that's, original name. That's fine. That makes sense. But yeah, so he, he could he could have called guy. him like coconut or something because he found him like he he had coconuts for lunch. I'm gonna call you know. island because better. I found you on the island. You're on an <laughs> island. I'll call you sand because that's where we're standing right now. I'm going to call you food because that's what you almost were. It's <laughs> a much better name. That's yeah. That's him being clever. So he's got this guy's loyalty. Uh, and this guy becomes his slave, essentially, and or his, you know, he, manservant or whatever, his right. Jeeves. And then they sort of, he teaches him English, and he's very loyal, and eventually, you know, I think he's worried about the cannibals coming back and sort of trying to exact their revenge, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. eventually, they don't come back to exact their revenge, they come back to sacrifice more people and robinson crusoe and friday uh rescue those guys as well one of those people being friday's father which is a very lovely moment okay until friday robinson crusoe then makes all of those people his slaves (laughs) no i don't know i don't know if he actually does that but he wait like he is like okay he calls himself the governor and the mayor of the island or like the king it's all of his domain it's all that type of thing. Okay. God, king of the island. Now it's like, how, how long was he on the island before he discovered these cannibals? And like, if it's a deserted island, where are these cannibals coming from? And like, how are they getting there? I just have, I have a lot of questions about this. You know, I'm probably not doing a great job explaining it, but there's like, so they're not far from this mainland that Robbins, I think it's like, I can't remember if it's like 20 or 30 miles or maybe if it's even less than that. But the reason Robinson's afraid to go there is because he's no, he knows it's inhabited by these savages who will. Eat okay. Him. okay. Okay. Like theoretically, and, if he ate enough turtles and got his strength up, he could maybe swim there or like fashion a raft from part yeah, of the boat. He built, he had, he builds a canoe at some point during okay. his day, which he uses to sort of like circumnavigate the Island and learn about the currents. Cause he's still, he's a good sailor and he knows, uh, he knows the way the ocean works, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, not good enough to not get shit wrapped, shipwrecked in the first place. Get yeah. Shitwrecked. Yeah. Still pretty good. <laughs> That's what he would call it. This is yeah. really shitwrecked. <laughs> so they're coming out there now. You, you said you were doing the math earlier. Like, how long does it go on before the cannibals start showing up? Is it like a ten years in? Is it just the way the story's told? He just kind of gets around to telling that part, or yeah, I think it's it's not like it's more like toward maybe ten years in, like towards the the middle is when he realizes that cannibals come to the island. Okay, uh, like he comes upon human remains or something, and then he spends like a full year or two scared of the cannibals without actually seeing them. And then he, then he sort of learns like at what points they come and what part of the Island they come to. And he's able to relax a little bit Mm -hmm. until they come like really right up to his doorstep. And that's when he kills a bunch of them rescues Friday. Okay. And then, yeah. So once he's got sort of his like posse, his servants in place, his posse, Mm -hmm. uh, that's when, another finally another ship this one's like a real like a christian a christian's ship right 
mm-hmm. they come on board because there's been a mutiny on the ship and they are going to uh they're about to execute their captain i believe it is okay and robinson rescues the captain makes him swear his loyalty <laughs> to of him. course like you do <laughs> and then uh robinson helps him uh defeat the people who overthrew him and they take back the ship and that's how robinson's finally delivered from the island and he's been there for what like 30 or 40 years or something it's like 20 yeah from, right from the title of the book Right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, right. and that that does. I mean, it does cut down the the tension. Yeah, he's there for twenty eight years. Uh, he's yeah. he's cast the, on shore by shipwreck, and then he is uh, strangely delivered by pirates. And the, <laughs> the interesting thing is that you like you do start to, you know, nothing bad happens to Robinson, but you start to feel for Friday because Friday is such a great character. Mm, so, mm-hmm. and you know that Robinson thinks he's totally uh, expendable. So, a fr- oh no. It, in, when once I fell in love with Friday, I I realized that Friday could die at any time, so I was back to being invested. <laughs> he is the dog from I Am Legend, is what you're saying. He really is. Yeah. So, like, what? How does the book present Friday? Because is the the whole book is from Robinson's point of view. Yeah, right? and Robin Robinson loves Friday, but he's like, I loved him because he was so simple and he was just naive mm. and he was friendly. Uh, but they, he also talks about how like naturally strong he is and what an amazing athlete kind of. Oh, so, oh what man, a weird. What is really all weird relationship? Like you're on this island alone for ten years, and you finally meet another person, and instead of like talking to them and asking like what cool like albums you missed or whatever, like you'd say, swear to me that you'll you'll obey me forever, and then hey. you make him your weird human pet. How's it person. going? I'm I'm Robinson. I'm sort of the. Uh, the authority around here. Will you swear your <laughs> Will you swear your undying loyalty to me just before we get too far down the road? You look like a you look like a great athlete. I could use you. Yeah. You'd make a good wide receiver for the college I'm going to found on this island that I own. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Okay. Does, does Friday So this sound I mean this sounds a lot like the relationship with uh Queequeg in Moby Dick. Like this it's the kind of noble savage quote-unquote yeah uh, who by virtue of the main character is like elevated above his station right. yeah and... by deeming him like oh this guy's loyalty is unwavering he yeah he is mine so that's why he's that's why he's great <sighs> how do the nice. how do the mutineers feel about friday do they um, care about him at all I don't. It seems like the ship's captain, who Robinson saved. I don't know. If, I'm sure he appreciated Friday. Well, I guess I'm not. But really, he's <laughs> that guy is he, like. There's a lot of um, you know talking about how they were just like held each other in each other's arms and cried and like brought each other gifts. They those two guys, the captain and Robinson, had like uh, a real love affair. They were they were into each other. Yeah, I well I bet I bet everyone on that ship had previously had to pledge loyalty to that captain. Like Crusoe and that captain sound like they know what's up. Yeah, I mean to be a ship hand on these ships where there's like there's a mutiny, so these strong guys are about to kill the captain, so you're like, Okay, fine, I'll I swear my loyalty to you, just don't hurt me. <laughs> then then the the guys who created the mutiny just get killed and the captain comes back on with this bearded guy wearing goat skin and with an axe and he's like all right, everyone better pledge to me. You're like, fuck. Whoa. I don't care who I fucking pledge to. Just 
don't murder me. Just whoever has the bigger axe, that's the that's the uh-huh. smart the smart it's choice. Really true. And so they get him off the island, and then he just what? He just goes home. He just goes and chills out. He goes home, and sort of the, so the end of the book is him like sort of tracking down like his finances. He's like, you know, how's my tobacco farm doing? And <laughs> and he finds out that it's like very prosperous, and they've been putting money aside from him in case he ever came back. And he also like. <laughs> He left. He left a bunch of money with this other guy who was like very loyal to him and still had it, or like used some of it but kept a ledger in case he ever came back. And <laughs> that is so, so nice. Yeah, it turns out that he's like totally. He's like rich and he's wealthy and he's he's in great shape. So he's like, like you know, I, I haven't seen or heard from him in like fifteen years, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna keep setting this stuff aside just in case, yeah. just in case he comes back. Yeah, but Andrew, this is like a time when people would go away for three or four years, and you would you wouldn't hear from them. Like if right. guys are going on boats all the time, they don't come back for for like it's not just like a week long trip, you know? Yes, it's not a three hour tour. Yeah, you can so- never assume. <laughs> oh, no, <it> <laughs> <laughs> so like relative to your average like if you were telling me that you were going to go to the grocery store i'd expect you back within like an hour if i you know if the grocery store is a couple blocks so away. you're saying like the police right. won't even let you file a missing persons report unless somebody's been gone for 20 years exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay <laughs> like if you said i'm gonna go to america and you're in england and you're gonna take a boat like i'm gonna wait 10 years before i get worried that's yeah. just how it's gonna go <laughs> okay so, <laughs> you what is it like, <laughs> like reading this this story in particular, Jake? Given the number of stories that we've even kind of referenced on this show that crib from it a little bit, like, it was interesting. I guess like it was way more boring than I thought it was going to be. Okay, was, good. <laughs> yeah, I liked it because I was really charmed by like kind of the way the story is told. It's so old worldly. Mm-hmm. like it's it's filled with this just really really rich language and i i very much enjoyed that but it was way less filled with like adventures of running away from wild boars and and uh yeah it was more like a a boring diary but it, <laughs> and i don't mean to say the word boring like i hated it it was it was sure yeah it, it was tr- it was very charming you almost until robinson crusoe sort of starts being a a weird uh uh, God figure and and also talking nonstop about believing in divine providence. You really you're on his side. Okay, you like him I, a lot. Yeah, I was gonna ask like if we, I I could tell from the get go that this is a guy that makes everyone swear to him. So we, it was gonna be a complicated relationship. <laughs> but like, do you do you feel for him, or is the book kind of just presented as here's some cool stuff I did? You know, no, like are you, you you feel for him because like he. I think at one point he has a parrot and he's like trying to teach the parrot to talk because he's so lonesome. But all the oh. parrot ever says is poor, miserable Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and he's That's... always talking about like how he wishes he could have just followed his father's advice. And and he and then he's got, you know, he's got nothing and he learns how to fucking make baskets. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder if so the baskets are like good. Or if he's exaggerating about how good the baskets were because no one else was there. We'll talk about that, too. He'll say, like, the first, I mean, the first ones are uh, really bad. And he says, like, I honed this craft or whatever. So you do get the sense that by the end, he's, like, pretty good at it. And he's making a lot of baskets. Probably more than he needs. <laughs> Just to practice, I would think. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of time. 
what else was there that I wanted to ask you about? Um, Andrew, you got anything? Um, not off the top of my head. I'm just like, I'm wondering about the ramifications, I guess, of getting like getting all the stuff from him, like firsthand. Like, do you ever get a sense that he's being like an unreliable narrator that he's making himself sound super cool and like glossing over his failures or does it, does it seem uh, more like straight than that? Does he, does he tell you about good stuff and bad stuff and like evil measure? He tells you about like his, his pitfalls. Like at the, I think uh, the first canoe he builds, it takes him something like, you know, a, a full month or it takes him like two weeks to even chop down the tree. Then it takes him like 40 days to hollow out this canoe and when mm-hmm. he's finished, it's so big that he can't carry it to the ocean. Mm. So <laughs> he, I don't think he glossed over. Like I think he, he tells you everything. It's and it, there's a huge learning curve. So he does. He tells you about all the mistakes that he made, that he makes at the end of the book when he's sort of uh, when he's being met by all these other people who are visiting his island for the first time. That's. Um, that's maybe the the one time that he gets a little holier than thou because he's like, look at me. I survived here. Look what I've built. This is, you know, everybody's, everybody should be very impressed. Everybody should swear to me. Yeah. Like yeah. nice, tr- nice tree fort, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the in, funniest thing to say to Robinson, how long were you here, man? <laughs> you're here a couple months. It's a pretty nice fort. <laughs> yeah. I, that seems to jive with the, this version of, this story that's like this is a this is a tale about penitence and redemption like he's first he's just a guy who's lost trying to just grapple with nature and then he pulls himself up by his divine bootstraps and <laughs> you know like learns the true meaning of being christian by carving out his place in the world which seems to seems to feel nice and calvinist to me in a way that i'm sure uh Daniel Defoe intended. Yeah, like like tell me about it like from the perspective of somebody of of like Defoe who was religious like in the early parts of the book does Robinson Crusoe seem like a guy who who needs religion or like divine retribution or something is he is he is he being does he need to become more humble in like the eyes of his creator like what's the purpose of his of his religious conversion? Yeah, I would say that definitely fits cuz I mean that's one of the reasons why he leaves England in the first place. He's like, I don't need God. I want to go to the, I want to go, I want to go to sea. And then there you go. He's, he's cast onto this Island and then he, (laughs) he's not really okay with it until he finally starts reading scriptures. And then he's reading the Bible every single night by candlelight. Yeah. It's one of those things where his dad told him to do it and he wouldn't do it. And then you get trapped on an Island. You start doing it anyway. Thanks dad. Don't you you hate when that happens? Not because you told me. But because I want to. I started eating Brussels sprouts because I thought they tasted delicious. Not because you told me, God. I yeah, started God. eating Brussels sprouts because I was trapped on an island, Dad. <laughs> I guess the other part is the question of how he feels about the cannibals. Like, this is a... I know, like, the thing that he likes about Friday is how Friday is so noble uh, and so loyal to him. But there's always that... Does he condemn them for being cannibals, or does he like think that because they don't believe in God, he has to give them a bit of a pass? Oh no, I think he. I mean, he thinks that they're heathens. He thinks cannibal. He's thinks they're so barbaric that it like 
it's all he can do to keep from killing them when they're on the island. Like he mm-hmm. he despises the cannibals. Okay. They make his blood boil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's not like excusing them at all. He's not like if only they could just read the Bible, they'd be cool. I I don't know if he's uh yeah, I don't know if he's I guess he's aware that they don't believe in God, but he th- he thinks that there's pro- I think he he does believe they're beyond hope. Okay. Though Friday, uh, he I think he has Friday to accept his God at some point. It seems like something he would at least try to do, whether yeah. or not. Yeah, you should. I really do want a book about Friday. I just imagine him like off to the side, like rolling his eyes whenever Robinson Caruso does something. Yeah, Friday's the man. Yeah. <laughs> what What's so cool about Friday? We I don't think we've given him enough airtime. Just that he's like super super strong. <laughs> <laughs> He's like strong and friendly and fearless, and he does anything to protect Robinson Crusoe. Just like not afraid, you know. It's a cool, dude. Okay. Um, and you just you were just saying you had issues with the inherent racism of the book. Like, how was it reading this book in the twenty first century with regard to that kind of stuff? It was weird. I had to let go of it in the beginning. Yeah. Is when it first sort of comes up when you're like, oh, this dude is just talking about um you know, the savages and needing slaves. So that getting over that first stuff was, it paved the way for the end of the book, which was even after I'd like tried to turn my brain off to it was a (laughs) bit more racist than I was ready for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it is this little microcosm of imperialism. Like it's just like, you know, here is, here is this country. Oh, no one else is here. Even though those people have been coming here for years doing their own thing. Right, you, it's just, mine you almost now. have to just accept that. Okay, this was written in 1600, and right, I yeah. condemn uh, slavery. That's what the world looked like then. It's almost you talk about like the founding fathers of yeah. America. Like, oh, mm-hmm. those guys had slaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. Yeah, they're not good people for that. Well, yeah, and it's like what? How much of that economy at that time was was derived from practices we would now call reprehensible? Uh, and you see that in, I don't know, you, that's like a an interesting part of commerce now where like causes get taken up against certain corporations or like businesses because of their own, like, it's like Hobby Lobby or like Chick-fil-A or whatever, where yeah. it's like, I'm not going to support this organization because of what their founder believes. Mm-hmm. I, I, Andrew, I don't know how I got here. Save me. I'm on an island of <laughs> metaphor. An island and what I'm trying analogy. to say is I love, I love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> this episode of Overdue brought to you by the fine folks at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Eat more chicken. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's wheel it back to, uh, to the microcosm of imperialism. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a good observation because this white dude gets to this little spit of nothing land in the middle of the ocean. And is like, well, I guess it's my job now to subjugate or kill all the people who were here before me. Yeah, <laughs> this it is, is my right as like, a white okay, Christian man. I am king of this island now. <laughs> <laughs> there couldn't possibly be anyone here before me. That would only make too much sense. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like the, yeah, the, the savages, as he called them, have been coming to the island for centuries to eat people. And that's one of the things that I disagreed with also, though. You know, you don't, they shouldn't be eating each other. No, probably not. Is there anything, 
like you said you were just kind of disappointed with the lack of adventure can you kind of see what in the book would lend itself to those adaptations though yeah i mean just just the sheer fact that like you have nothing you need to learn how to survive i think all the adaptations probably give the the host of the island even less than robinson had even though sure sure it's almost like the the point of this story was the sheer amount of time that he endured on the island and any other thing is like oh you have to survive you know just a couple weeks but there are dinosaurs on the island something like that or there's something on the island that you need to conquer immediately like you have i mean in lost like a couple episodes in you find out about the others or whatever well yeah and in the first like seven minutes the plane's malfunctioning and a dude gets like eaten by an airplane like things are not great right away on lost right you need to survive quickly but this was like once he was on the island and once he and he basically shares with you that there's no people and no scary animals on the island it's just like how does he set up camp what's it going to be yeah Mm -hmm. i think that i think that does it for me on this book andrew is there anything else you want to know about robinson caruso i don't think so i mean would you read the other Robinson Crusoe book, or do you think that you've you've gotten enough of this guy and his adventures? I think I'm good. By the end of this book, I was like, I was really rushing through the end of it just to finish it. But I would say that anybody who hasn't even opened it up should open it up and flip through it a bunch because mm-hmm. I'm t- the language that it's written in is it's you know it's I don't know it's really nice. It's a, it's a soothing read. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm just saying, if you do ever change your mind, you do have a you do have the farther adventures of Robinson Crusoe being the second and last part of his life, and strange, surprising accounts of his travels round three parts of the globe, written by himself. The second edition, to which is added a map of the world in which is delineated the voyages of Robinson Crusoe. That makes a lot of sense. I, this dude does find himself on lots of adventures. Even at the end of this <laughs> book, he like he goes out fighting a bunch of wolves. So there's <laughs> that's good. He goes full Liam Neeson. Yeah, this dude cannot, for real. He can't go. He can't go a weekend without like needing to survive some crazy shit. <laughs> well, if uh, if you, the listener, have uh, fought wolves or conquered an island, uh, we would probably like to hear about it. You could send us an email at overduepod at gmail dot com, or you could tweet us pictures from your uh, self made kingdom at twitter.com slash overdue pod or like post a long journal about it to our facebook page which is also facebook.com slash overdue pod <laughs> uh andrew if they want to know more about the show where should they go uh they can go to our internet website at overduepodcast.com. up there we've got links to uh, itunes rss and stitcher the ways you can subscribe to the show um if you subscribe in itunes leave us a rating or a review because we like seeing them and they they help us rise in the rankings and, and get more popular um, you can also find links to HeadGum, our podcast network, which we are, of course, happy to be a part of, even when one of the founders is not sitting on the line with us. <laughs> Appreciate and, that. Uh, <laughs> and to our uh, our Patreon page, and then also to uh, Spreaker, which is our podcast host. So thank you to them for for hosting us every week. Jake, thanks for joining us. What's going on on HeadGum that people should go check out? Oh, man. Other than you guys, of course. but Other than us. Let's see. My... One of my favorite podcasts, Twinovation, comes out tomorrow. It's like Stoner Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah, that's the one where they're like pitching ideas each week, right? Yeah, every I've right. been on it twice, and I got one idea just shot the shot the hell down, and 
and one idea uh one where one that went pretty well i'm pretty stoked on it actually yeah i like i like that show a lot there's an older one they did where they were pitching like a like a stopper that you put in your belly button to keep lint out of there yeah the belly <laughs> butt off yes right <laughs> that sounds pretty good yeah it's completely insane <laughs> well thanks again for joining us yeah you got it thank you guys for having me no problem all right everybody we'll be back next monday until then thanks for listening and try to be happy well, that's a positive sign off That was a HeadGum Podcast.